0: Today's episode is sponsored by Timeless Treasures. Since the early 1990s, Timeless Treasures has been introducing cotton fabric collections designed for the quilting industry and is known for its fun and creative novelties. Today, Timeless Treasures is a leading fabric source for quilters recognized for its diverse line of high quality, innovative and beautifully detailed designs. The line includes quilting collections, blenders, boutiques, flannels and more. So check them out. Thank you so much timeless treasures and now here's the show. Welcome to you episode 170 of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals where you can strengthen your creative business, stay up to date on industry news, and build connections within our supportive trade association. Check it out at craftindustryalliance.org. Today on the show, we're talking about building a business, crocheting dolls with my guest, Alison Hoffman. Allison has been crocheting and designing fun amigurumi for over a decade. She's written five crochet books, and she lives in Austin, Texas with her husband and three sons. She spends her work days crocheting weird stuff, writing down how she did it, and you can find out all about her on her website, craftyiscool.com. Her two newest books are Crochet the Golden Girls and Friends Crochet, both to be released in the fall of 2020. So Allison Hoffman, welcome. Thanks, Abby. Great to be talking with you. Yeah, it's great to talk to you too. I feel like we were saying we've been online buddies for many years and and haven't had a chance to actually sit down and talk to one another. (laughs) So I would love um, to talk a little bit to start with about um, your childhood growing up. I know you were always a pretty crafty person.
1: I remember the first crafty things like uh, sewing and cross stitching, doing that in Girl Scouts. And my mom was really crafty too. So I'm sure that she did stuff with us at home. But I have a twin sister. And so she and I were always doing little crafty things. But then as I became kind of an adolescent, a teenager, it was kind of all my friends were going out and, you know, partying or drinking or whatever. And it wasn't cool to be crafty then. It really wasn't like, this was I'm talking about like the 90s. I don't know. I didn't know anybody that did anything like that. And so I didn't consider it like something that I talked about and showed off like, hey, look what I made, you know,
0: my friends would have been like, Oh, whatever, we're going to a party. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Texas? I know you live in Austin now.
1: Yes. It's a small town about an hour outside of Austin. It's uh, Lagrange, Texas. Okay, yeah. It's made famous by the uh, chicken ranch, which is featured in <laughs> "The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas" and uh, a ZZ Top song. so. <laughs> got it. That's
0: funny. Okay, so you grew up there, and then you went to um, you went to the University of Texas, and and um, you got a degree in something that's not crafty,
1: right? It's a, I got a degree in communication sciences and disorders with a focus in deaf education. Oh, how And mean. the reason I did that is because when I moved to Austin, there was there's a really big deaf community. And I went to a church and I saw, like, these interpreters. And I was like, oh, I just was really drawn to, like, maybe being an interpreter. You don't even have to have a regular degree to do that. But I was so – I never – I was never one of those kids that was like, oh, I know I'm going to be a teacher when I grow up. Or I know I'm going to be a doctor when I grow up. I always said I wanted to be an artist. And I was kind of under the impression that that wasn't a real job, like a real career that wasn't real realistic, you know. And um, so I just kind of picked something, got a degree and graduated. I went to work in that field for a very, very short time. And it was okay i just I was working at a school, and since i was I just had a bachelor's degree, I wasn't qualified to teach. I didn't have a teaching certificate, so I was like a teacher's aide and uh I don't know I've never been really called to teach to be a teacher, and so it wasn't the best fit for me after that. I just kind of went from you know tech jobs to customer service type of stuff. And then so I did scrapbooking. And I was working for like some companies doing scrapbooking designs. And I was published in a bunch of scrapbooking magazines and all this. And so that was like my first foray into it. And I did some work for my dad, I made, you know, cards for his clients and stuff like that. And then kind of took a hiatus from that when I was in the throes of being a new mother and and then um and then you learn how to knit
0: right and knitting came before crochet
1: somehow I don't know if somebody gave them to me or I bought them but I had some knitting needles and I had a ball of Lion Brand homespun yarn and it seems like everybody starts with that and I made I knitted a scarf and it was just all in garter stitch and it was real uneven and I thought, oh my gosh, this takes so long to do. And I don't even really like what I made. (laughs) So I kind of put it aside and I didn't knit or crochet or anything. Probably a couple of years, maybe, I want to say. And then I found an article about crafts. And it was talking about that the hottest new search on Etsy was Amigurumi. And so, so I looked up what Amigurumi was and it was all these little bears and cupcakes and little tiny really cute crocheted toys and I was like, Oh, I wanna make that. So I taught myself. I think it was on the website craftster dot org. Yeah, I and remember crafter Yeah. Yeah. And so I had seen a Migurumi on there and there was there was a crochet board and then there were a bunch of posts about a Mingarumi. And then so I probably looked on Amazon. I think I got the book from Amazon or maybe Barnes & Noble. And it was called Amigurumi Super Happy Crochet Cute or something like that. I have it still. And it was by Elizabeth Doherty. And she only wrote one book. And she was just really talented. And I it was these really cool, real quirky dolls and um, animals. And so I kind of started with an easy project from that and worked up to making the more complex projects. And I was just in love with how she did things and her style. And so I started thinking, okay, I could totally adapt this. And now that I know how to make these basic shapes and all this stuff, I can make what other things that like my kids want me to make for them, you know, different characters or just other stuffed animals and stuff. So it's
0: funny how um there's just I think this mentality of like I can design my own um that certain people have. Like I I um, you know, have felt the same way. I had like kind of a similar path with sewing stuffed animals and dolls. But oh, I will yeah. say, yeah, and I but I will say like the fur I, I and I did never I never went down it with amigurumi, but I but I did um, uh, crochet a lion. And then immediately afterward was like, oh, I can totally design my own. <laughs>
1: like, I just can't that's, help that's myself. I, thought, I was like, they are cute, but nobody's doing this. I want to do this. And yeah. It's just like as soon as, as I of, do
0: it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I can I can figure this out.
1: Up, you pick up techniques, like maybe from this pattern and this pattern. And oh, this is how they made this shape. And this is how they this person made this shape or you know and then so you're like well i can play around with that and get this out of that and so yeah i totally get that cuz i have your book i have your um, yeah, animal awesome. book mm-hmm. and uh i just love the way you it's like a it's like a puzzle solving thing mm-hmm. you kind of you know you you work from this finish this is what you want it to look like when it's finished and you can Figure out how to get there. And I love that. Part yeah. Of designing. So, just, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't content with just right. following other people. It's stuff. just something
0: about like the way my brain works. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I understand now how this is and I can just go from here yes. and I, I can't help myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know. that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, all mm-hmm. right. So, um, so did you immediately want to make people because what you're known for. Is making these people dolls, and we're going to dive into that yeah. for sure. But I'm wondering whether, when you did start to design, whether people were kind of the first things that you started making that were your own originals, or was it like, was there an in between step? Did you start with like granny squares and then yeah. <laughs> build yourself up there?
1: No, I never did any of that typical like dishcloths and granny squares. I never really did that until I had been crocheting for a while. I just didn't see. Maybe the point of it? I guess there's no point to a AmiGurumi either. I mean, it's just cute. But I didn't... I wasn't drawn, like, creatively to that. They're kind of more functional. I don't know. I just didn't... I wasn't really into it. Now, I love making, you know, blankets or whatever. But uh, when I first started, I only was making animals and, like, monsters. My kids really... They were really little. And they watched Yo Gabba Gabba. And this was when the show was brand new. And there was... Nothing. They had, the only toys they had for that show were these designer uh, toys that you could buy at, you know, like a Hot Topic or something. And they were, you know, $25 a piece for this big plastic hard toy that you really are supposed to leave in the box. And so I was like, well, I'm not buying my kids that. But they loved that show. And, I was, and they just really lent themselves to a Amigurumi, the way that the characters look. And so I started designing those, and I posted them for free on Craftster. And I just had so many requests and people posting, look, I made it, I made it. And they all looked like what I made. And so I thought, wow, I I did the pattern correctly, and people are able to follow it. And so I I typed them out, and I started selling the pattern. And um, I, had a, I opened up an Etsy shop. And um it's funny because I was asked after it was like popular those patterns I was contacted by not directly but through Etsy I was contacted by uh Nickelodeon or whoever owns Yo Gabba Gabba and told to remove the patterns and um so I did that and I took them down but Like, a year later, I was watching, there was a new episode of Yo Gabba Gabba, and they used my crocheted toys in an episode. Wow. So, kind of ironic. Yeah,
0: and it's really, really fascinating, too, because your very first foray into designing was Mm -hmm. designing a pop culture product right Uh like a a a person and granted it was right yo gabba gabba but (laughs) it was Uh a person um (laughs) that was in some way proprietary right Mm -hmm. um and therefore super popular right tons of people wanted Mm -hmm. to make it and then also somebody else's intellectual property that maybe Right. So, ruffled their feathers but at the same time then uh-huh. they also used it in the show and in some yes. way that's almost like encapsulates in a microcosm your entire career <laughs> yes <laughs> you know I what I mean so. yeah I I
1: claim ignorance on I that mean, because I had no idea that that was even like right something that I shouldn't do no of course so. not but at the same
0: time, and, and there's been so many twists and turns and so many huge things that have happened in these right. intervening years, but even up until, you know, like last month <laughs> or something, it's almost mm-hmm. been that same story. And it's so, that's just so, so interesting that it's it's been almost the same story from the very beginning.
1: Um, it, I know. Yeah, yeah. You'd think I'd learn my lesson. No. <laughs> I do <just, laughs> it's so, it's so tricky, because you never know if they're going to be like, Oh, my gosh, we love this. We're going to put it on our TV show, or I'm the director of whatever, can I buy this from you? Or, you know, it's it's so funny, like, you never know. Or a combination, be, or
0: a combination yeah, of it is all a combination. of those things. It
1: has been a combination, Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So, and, it, and it happened right on the very beginning so so that's super super interesting um and i and i love that like i love that it was there from the start so okay and then person number two right as we graduated out of yoga gabba Gabba,
1: um, was
0: was conan o'brien
1: yes that was actually that was the first human doll that i made
0: and so tell us the story of that one because it um, I mean, what happened with that? So how did you get the idea to make Conan O'Brien? And then what happened to the doll when you did make it?
1: Okay, well, that was, that's, I still have people saying, Oh, did you make that Conan O'Brien doll? I, under, I underestimate how popular he is, because the reason I made him Conan O'Brien was given the job of hosting the Tonight Show after Jay Leno was going to retire. He hosted it for, I don't know, six months, nine months. And then he was let go and Jay Leno came back. And so there was a whole movement. This was in 2009, 2010, when I was really starting to get going. And there was a whole movement of I'm with Coco. And this guy made this poster and it was kind of a a takeoff on a famous Obama poster. And it said I'm with Coco and it had Conan O'Brien. It was black and white poster with orange hair. And so he had a Facebook group and this was when Facebook was very organic. You saw everything that people posted. So if I liked I'm with Coco on Facebook, I saw what they posted on Facebook, everything in order in, uh, you know, in the timeline and everything. So they wrote, I think I posted it on their Facebook page. And so whoever, whoever liked or who was a fan of I'm with Coco saw it if they went to their Facebook page. And then those people that ran that page, the artist, Mike Mitchell, contacted me and said, we would love to do a giveaway of one of these dolls. This is so awesome. And so they posted it and it was like a huge thing. I mean, for me then it was a huge deal. So they posted a picture of the doll and advertised it as a giveaway they also linked people to my Etsy shop and my Facebook page, which was just starting out. And I got so many orders for that stupid doll. <laughs> they were like, "I mean, it's a lot." to It was a lot to me then. It's not that many now because I've made more. But there's, I got like sixty orders for a Conan O'Brien doll, and I was charging very little then. But it was a big deal to me. That was a big hit for me and so i decided well i better write this pattern because i'm not going to be sitting around making right dolls Conan O'Brien dolls for the rest of my life i never really wanted to be the person that was making a ton of finished product i it just it isn't that isn't where i hate to sound materialistic but that's not where the money is i don't for me personally because i'm not fast i'm not like real quick doing them and so if I can make one that I think is cute and then write it down other people are more likely to buy the pattern than to spend what I would want to charge
0: yeah 100% no I mean my business um didn't make any money until I started selling instructions so 100% and
1: people wouldn't say that they made it and you know what maybe they'll buy the pattern and they'll never make it but they it's I mean
0: I mean, sometimes That's patterns the are, yeah, they're aspirational, which is also okay.
1: Yes. Oh, but- I like to buy patterns just so I can see how did somebody do this. I've even bought patterns just to see how they lay out their patterns. I mean, you know? Yeah. Just to see how they're designing their patterns, what they look like. Right. Or how they, their pattern style writing, what what abbreviations stuff. Like. Anyway, back to Conan. I, I made the doll. I sent it to them, and they sent it to someone, I think was the deal, the giveaway. And then I spent, you know, the next month making Conan O'Brien dolls. Right. But I wrote the pattern, and I sold a lot of the pattern. So that was better. And um, somewhere between when Conan got fired, and then he started his new show, he had this huge blimp going around the country, and... It just was a huge orange blimp and it said Conan. And so I thought, oh, that would be really cute to crochet a just a big old blimp and hang it from my ceiling or, you know, with Conan on it. And so I did and I made it out of like, you know, bulky yarn. And so it was real big and it was kind of heavy and it was, it was pretty cute. And I took pictures of it and then I thought, well, I could probably send it to him. And so I sent it to some address that I found for Warner Brothers where he was, He was starting his new show at TBS. That's what the blimp was advertising. I don't know if I said that. And I sent it to him. And I didn't hear anything. But then, like, a week later, he posted on Twitter and said, the only thing better than having a real blimp is having one made out of yarn. Thanks, Crafty is cool. And he tagged me. And it was a picture of him holding the blimp. And this was also when Twitter was you know, you didn't see special tweets or preferred tweets and sponsored and all that. It was, if I follow Conan, I'm going to see everything he posts in order. And, um, so it was, I, I was on my way home from a funeral and I opened up Twitter and I got, you know, his mention or whatever. And I was crying, (laughs) just bawling and crying because I was so happy and, um, yeah, so that was the first like celebrity endorsement type yeah. of thing that yeah. I remember. I
0: want to take a minute now to talk about our sponsor, Timeless Treasures Fabrics. My name is
2: Nellie Wu. I'm the marketing director for Timeless Treasures Fabrics. So tell me a little bit about Timeless Treasures Fabrics. Well, Timeless Treasures started in 1968, and it was mostly a fashion and apparel uh, fabric converter. And we've always been in Soho, New York. And then in the early 1990s, Timeless introduced its first cotton fabric line specifically for quilting. And initially we were known for these broad, fun novelties. Um, and since then we've brought in our fabric uh, into blenders, batiks, we have flannels, um, but we're still very well known for novelties and panels. And tell me a little bit about how the fabrics are created? Well, we still mostly screen print everything that we produce and um, we work with in-house and licensed artists um, and really develop fun fabric around themes and collections that are traditional to modern. Um, We really have a broad reach. We uh, really cater to a lot of different tastes and styles.
0: And I know you have
2: a few different brands. Marcus is a new one. So in 2019, we acquired Marcus Fabrics, and they filled a, a need for us to have a more broad reach for historic fabrics. You also have Dear Stella. So tell us a little bit about what that's about. Oh, so Dear Stella in 2008, we introduced Dear Stella to serve the growing contemporary modern aesthetic. But honestly, anyone can use Dear Stella fabric. It plays well with a lot of other different fabrics. But it also holds its own with these great, fun, whimsical collections we've got. We're very well known for Dear Stella uh, for our funny collection names. You know, we've got a little bit of everything timeless, but Dear Stella filled the niche for a very stark modern look. Now, with all of these
0: brands together, you really offer everything.
2: We really do. And we're really hoping that there is something for everybody. Wonderful. So where should people go to check out Timeless Treasure Fabrics? So they can check out the fabrics and look at all the collections at ttfabrics.com and download any of the free patterns from our website at ttfabrics.com. To purchase fabrics, go to your favorite local fabric retailer. Um, They will definitely carry uh, most of our fabrics and if not, ask for it. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nellie. This has been
0: fantastic. Thank you so much, Timeless Treasures. And now back to my conversation with Allison. Yeah, and there's been, I mean, there's been so many um, just really fantastic celebrity interactions since then. Um, and it's been it's really fun and fascinating to watch. And I wondered how you decide kind of what to make and, you know, sort of what celebrity thing mm-hmm. to work on. And is it, yeah. you know, cause like I noticed, you know, just during this pandemic that we're all mm-hmm. mired in now, um, yeah, Tiger King, right? Everybody. Yeah. And then boom, like Alison's got Tiger King. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know. Isn't it funny? I just, the reason I did that one was because, I mean, we, my husband and I had listened to the podcast Over My Dead Body, which then there, I think it was like the second season was The Tiger King. And that's what the TV show was based on. Well, we had listened to that podcast driving home on some big road trip. And uh, the story was just so fascinating that when we heard that there was going to be a Netflix series, we were so excited. And we watched it the day that it came out. So, I mean, I was all over The Tiger King whole thing before it was a huge deal and so I seeing him we had heard him and heard his stories and you know we had looked up pictures of him and we thought it was so funny but when we saw the show I was like oh my gosh that's he's because people that are really unique looking are so much more fun to crochet and you know just besides just some regular white guy or something, you know, it's just so much more fun to crochet somebody that looks really distinct and has a lot of unique characteristics and outfits. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I have to crochet him. And so it wasn't even like a fame, chasing fame type of thing. I just really wanted to make it. And that's, that's what I'm most successful because I have more passion behind it. You know, it's not just like a money grab or something. I didn't have the pattern when I first posted it. And I had so many people asking for it. And I thought it was funny that people wanted to make him. And so then it was like a big deal. It's popular.
0: Right. So when you're looking, I mean, you've got, you know, the cast of Hamilton and Pee Wee Herman uh-huh. and Margaret What's Atwood. special
1: orders. Okay. I, a lot of times that's what, like the Hamilton, I have a friend who lives in New York and she is a huge Broadway person. And she knows a lot of the people that are in Hamilton that were in the original cast. She's friends with uh, the second guy that played Hamilton and um, she's friends with Christopher Jackson. He played Washington and she's uh, you know, she's met Lin-Manuel Miranda a few times. And so she goes to all the shows. She went to see Hamilton. It's, It's, it's a ridiculous number of times. I don't even know, but she goes to the backs, the back door and the stage door and talks to them and, Um, so she, she ordered them and she, you know, she bought them and, uh, took each one to the cast members. And so a lot of times it's because someone has specifically asked for it, ordered it, paid for it. You know, it's not just that I'm making them and just randomly sending them to celebrities and even Lizzo, like I made Lizzo and she, I liked Lizzo a lot. I was real into Lizzo last summer. And so I made her because she did such an amazing job on the BET awards. She did this performance and like this wedding, like veil and lingerie and stuff. And she had her flute and she just was really iconic and popular at the time. And so I made her and I was just going to keep it. I mean, I didn't write a pattern or anything for it. I still haven't, but her, Publicist wrote me and asked me, if, like, if she could buy it from me, and I just sent it to her because I liked Lizzo. A lot. <laughs> and she said, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much! I'll I'll give it to her, and hopefully, she can send me a picture, and I'll send it to you." But then Lizzo like posted about it on Instagram, and you know, so stuff like that. It's like right. when I really am into something; it it always it usually works out better for me. I, I don't know.
0: Then when you're doing it, just if you've tried to do it just as a way to capitalize on some things popular yeah yeah and I yeah.
1: really I can't think of anything the only thing that I I mean like I've never really watched Doctor Who that much and I made I've made all the Doctor Who's dolls doc the doctors from Doctor Who but that was an order for somebody too like she ordered and she has specifically over a few years she's been like okay now can you make this one and <laughs> So one person owns every one of those Dr. Who dolls that I've ever made. So and she she and her husband had like a big case built for them and stuff. It's pretty, wow, it's pretty neat. Yeah.
0: So let's talk a little bit so, about like the the actual process of crochet, because I feel like you've, um, you know, you've figured out a way to make these dolls that um, makes them really look like the people that they are and you've obviously you've got um you've got books and kits that explain it but I just wondered if you could explain a little bit about what you've learned um as far as like yarn selection and the right needles to use the right kind of stuffing or if there are other kind of like tips around the eyes or if you do embroidery for the mouth and that kind of thing that you know would help people along if they wanted to create a, a successful project like this.
1: Yes. Okay. so I have I've learned a lot of things, made a lot of mistakes and trial and error. I've I've uh, found the right kinds of yarn. I pretty much use worsted weight acrylic yarn like it's cheap and it's readily available. And this kind of thing doesn't need wool. It doesn't. People use wool. People use cotton, but wool stretches a lot cotton is really hard on my hands so i don't usually use it unless it's a soft little soft like brushed cotton or something but what i use is cheap acrylic yarn i use a kind of a small hook for for the yarn when you look at the label it calls for a g or h for usually for worsted weight but you use you have to use a smaller hook because you don't want holes if you see something that's crocheted too loosely, it's going to show a lot of white stuffing through all the holes and that's just it makes it look kind of cheap and it just add, it just doesn't it doesn't hold up like the structure. So that's why acrylic works well cuz it's it's hard, it's scratchy, it's not it's not going to stretch and get real soft and pill and so that's that's what comprises the structure. A lot of it is the color too. If I see something in a material in a yarn that is maybe the fiber that I wouldn't normally get, like a alpaca or, um, I don't know, a wool blend or something, and it's the right color, I'll usually try to make it work because for my baby Yoda, for instance, I was just searching and searching for a specific yarn. Lion Brand Hometown USA or one of those like the big bulky yarns I needed this green color I needed I just knew what I wanted and I could not find anything like it and so I kind of expanded my horizons and I went to Joanne's and I just looked and I was just concentrating mainly on color and I found Joanne's has a line buttercream alpaca and it was the color sage and I picked up that yarn And I picked up several other ones and I bought them and I brought them home and I started working with it. And the the alpaca, which I've never used except for hair, I think, um, on an animal. Using that yarn, it made it really big and it made the doll really heavy and it made it kind of fuzzy, which if you've watched The Mandalorian, Baby Yoda's kind of fuzzy on his head. And so it worked really well. And so I wrote that pattern and recommended that yarn. And it's so funny because two days later I went to go buy some more and it was sold out. And I was like, Oh, that's strange. Cause they had, they had a ton of it. It was in bins, you know, in the middle of the, of the aisles. Um, it was like a special or something. And it was completely out. And then people started writing me and saying, I can't find that yarn. Do you know where that yarn is? And then a few days later, somebody from Joanne's wrote me and we're like, okay, what, what happened? <laughs> Because our suppliers are freaking out. This yarn is sold out everywhere. So it's funny. People that are following crochet patterns will, if you tell them a yarn, they're going to go and get that exact yarn. They want to use the exact yarn. I was told this when I was writing my books, too, that whatever yarn you you, you, you call out a lot of times, crocheters and knitters, too. They like that specific yarn. So yeah. I mean I think when
0: I I mean and we're gonna come back, we're gonna loop back to mm-hmm. baby Yoda in a little while, but that is very interesting <laughs> that you caused like a yeah. a nationwide um run it still, on that you yarn. Still
1: can't buy it. Yeah. You still cannot find it.
0: But uh but I do but I do think in general when it comes to writing uh-huh. patterns, and this is something that I yeah. think a lot of people who are just beginning to write patterns often sort of failed to a 100% realize is that mm-hmm. people buy a pattern because they want to be creative, right? They're in the mood to be yes. creative. They want to do exactly. something creative. So they're buying a pattern with that in mind. Um, but at the same time, they want instructions, which is why they're buying a pattern. Yes. So they want not just instructions on how to make the item, um, and But yeah. they also want instructions as to exactly what to buy. And although yes. you as a designer, and, and we've just talked about this, might have that impulse of how to design, that's the most exciting thing. And you may want to give people uh-huh. instructions as to how to design your own. Well, a lot of people buying a yeah. pattern, that's not what they want. They don't want to learn to uh-huh. design their own. They want to make what you have made. And that includes mm-hmm. down to... Exactly the right materials, which is why kits are so popular. Yeah, so they mm-hmm. want everything I'm so included. Finally,
1: doing kit. Yes, yes,
0: yes, and that is extremely helpful to somebody, especially cool. a novice who is saying to you know to you, "Tell me everything. Tell me exactly, exactly the yarn, what to buy, exactly." Yes, where do I buy it? Where do I buy it? The exact color, the exact amount, the exact number of stitches in the exact order. Tell me what to do. I want to be creative. And I think it's hard for people who are just getting into writing patterns to totally get all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: it's true. I know that other like knitting designers have – they strike up deals, you know, with these yarn dyers or something. They'll say, can you dye this amount of yarn for – this i'm gonna write this pattern and let's work together on this but i mean i did not you know i didn't even think that it was gonna be a big deal some people don't even have a joann's near them and they're you know like what do i do I what do you have any ideas about what to substitute and so i've i have a whole list now on i have an amazon shop linked on my website mm-hmm. and i have a whole list of just you know a section just for i don't call it baby yoda but i you know, it's a list of yarns and eyes for my bear cub baby elephant pattern. And so it's a whole thing, you know, yarns that I've found that work and eyes that I've purchased personally and things that work for this pattern. Right. And then for <laughs> so st- that question so much. For stuffing, what do you use? I just use a, I um, I buy these giant boxes from Walmart or I've ordered from Amazon of just uh Fairfield polyester fiber fill. Okay. I don't. I've tried like the fancier ones, and it just it doesn't really make that much of a difference to me. What do you use? Yeah, same stuff.
0: I buy. I have a huge okay. one, and when I oh, that I bought wholesale, and when I opened it, it's now much smaller because I've used most <laughs> yes, of it. But when it I opened it, it right it expands, oh
1: and it's hilarious. So crazy. <laughs> uh, it's scary. I'm like, oh, where am I going to put all this? Because I keep it in a big like laundry big bin under my desk and so I have to just keep refilling from that Yeah, enormous no, I, box I keep it upstairs rest.
0: yeah I keep it upstairs and yeah. I bring it down <laughs> bit by bit because um
1: yeah. it's
0: yeah it's like a huge it's huge and then um do you use is it six millimeter eyes or four millimeter
1: um for my regular standard size dolls I use a nine millimeter oh, they're nine. eye okay yeah then for the smaller ones I use Six, six. Five or six. Okay. Got it. Yeah,
0: Good. All right. And then you, you put a, like a little blush on their cheeks or what do you put on their cheeks? Yeah,
1: I usually, I usually do that. And people are so mystified of how, how do you get their cheeks pink. But I mean, I don't – my dolls aren't really played with. So I don't – I'm not sure if it lasts forever. <laughs> but uh, – yeah, I put a little blush. I literally have blush, uh, like
0: I I have like Revlon blush. Yeah, me
1: too. I, okay. <laughs> yeah, how funny. See, I know I've I've thought about like maybe I can find a different way to do this, but that's what works, and yeah. it blends really well, it and does. you can you can't really mess it up, right? Okay, cool. That's funny. Yeah, yeah I know. You're same stuff. That
0: um, yeah, all right, great. And then I also wanted to talk a little bit about how you get people's attention because so you're using Instagram, you've got a lot of followers mm-hmm. on Instagram, over 40,000. Um, mm-hmm. And so you'll be, you know, making somebody, let's say, you know, Margaret Atwood, I don't know, just somebody that you've made because mm-hmm. you're a fan <laughs> um, of them for whatever reason, uh, Lizzo, whoever mm-hmm. it is, um, because you authentically just like Really admire their work, and you think yeah. it would be fun to make them. And then you do. Um, and, you know, y- you put their the photo, you take a, a good photo, and you put it on your Instagram, and then kind of explain how you are tagging or mm-hmm. kind of describing this um, doll in a way that gets that person's attention. Because I think that sometimes this is a step People miss where they go and they make mm-hmm. something and then they just don't um, do enough tagging or research. Right. And so yeah. they're I've missing seen it a out. Lot. Yeah. So explain what you're seeing when people don't do it and what they could be doing.
1: I see things that I think, okay, okay, that's better than what I did. And why, you know, and like, you know, I think yours is cuter than mine. Why did mine get so much attention? But it, it really is a lot having to do with the hashtags, you know, all those. Annoying things that people put at the bottom of, because a lot of people just look at their on Instagram. They look at their Discover screen, and so if I'm if I'm liking a lot of pictures that say hashtag crafts or hashtag amigurumi, then a lot of amigurumi things gonna things are gonna show up there. And if something the picture is so important. If you have a good picture, if if I take a picture with a flash where it's sitting on my couch or something, you know, of a doll, that's not gonna look good. And that's gonna, it's it especially with the acrylic yarns and stuff that I use that just, it just does not look good to use a flash at all. You have to have a good picture in good lighting with a nice blurry background or, you know, or doing something cute even, or my husband used to edit all my pictures and make them in funny situations and stuff. He hasn't really been doing that that much, but it's really important to tag people too. If I'm making a Lizzo doll and why would I not tag Lizzo? I, I see that too. And Of course, I'm going to tag Lizzo and I'm going to look for her record company and tag them. I'm going to tag who her manager is. I'm going to tag, if she was on the BET Awards wearing this, I'm going to tag BET. I'm going to tag, you know, all these, all these different people. Somebody is going to see it eventually. And maybe they're going to show her offline and I'm not going to know about it. But eventually I'll find out and they'll send me a message or, you know, email me or, somehow it's gonna show up later, hopefully. That's the that's the wish with every post that you
0: make. This is not just a ha- hashtag, this is at like at B E T.
1: Both. Yeah, both. both. Okay. Yeah. At why why be afraid to tag people? I think some people think it's annoying or whatever. I mean, I get a lot of people tagging me in random contests. You probably get that too. I do. You know, where you're just where you're tagged because you have to tag three friends. I don't care. That's fine. Tag me, please. That doesn't bother me at all. So why would a celebrity, why would it bother them? They get a zillion tags and all kinds of stuff. And then if someone sees it and I say, I made this Lizzo doll and they're like, oh my gosh, at Lizzo be eating, you have to see this. Or what happened with me is that I had made some dolls or some ornaments for a girl that works on the Daily Show. And she is friends with one of Lizzo's publicists and so she I saw her comment and she tagged her friend and so I was like I wonder who that is and I clicked on her name and it was happened to be Lizzo's publicist she had all these pictures of Lizzo so I was like oh that worked good I hope she contacts me and she did so that's how that one worked but it's it's just a lot of connections it's a lot of like finding out so I follow Post Malone but do I follow Post Malone's manager do I follow his producer do I follow his record company and his bodyguards <laughs> even. And and his mom now, I'm like friends with his mom. So it's, it's tagging other people and not being afraid to be annoying, I think. And a lot of self promotion, because if you're not going to promote yourself, who is going to do it? I, this is my livelihood. I'm not putting ads in the phone book. I'm not running Craigslist ads. I'm posting my funny pictures on Instagram. You know, it's, it's not, there's nothing to be ashamed of.
0: That's right. I'm, and if you think about it, right, so Lizzo's got a manager and and, right? and he's promoting her and who's doing all of this on her behalf and you yes. don't. So you right. have to be, I am every man. you are your <laughs> manager. So if you yes. were to think about it that way, right, what would you tell the person who was your manager to do on exactly. behalf of you? Oh, I
1: would well, want them out there right. hustling and talking about me. Right. And how great this thing is that I made. <laughs> That's 100%. And if, if yeah. that
0: manager wasn't doing that, then that manager would be not doing their job.
1: Right. So no, I'm not going to be embarrassed. <laughs> I have a personal Instagram page for just, you know, if I want to post pictures of my kids or something. That's not what this is. This is a business. This is me. You have to brag. You have to, you know, it's, I mean, and you don't want to just talk about the successes. I'll tell you about when I made a doll for Kevin Hart. Okay. I made a Kevin Hart doll. This girl contacted me. She, it was kind of a roundabout association with him because she is the assistant to his stylist or something. So that's kind of a distant relation, but she obviously works with Kevin Hart. And so she was, she wrote me and she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm the assistant to blah, blah, blah. She would love to give a doll to Kevin Hart. Can you make one of him and his baby? And can you do this and this and this real specific, you know, like he needs to be wearing this ring and he needs to have this jacket on and he makes sure that he, the baby is like this and whatever. So I made this and it took forever. And it was, it was kind of hard to do because Kevin Hart is not that unique looking. I mean, he's, I guess he's recognizable, but it's hard to make him recognizable as a doll. And so I ended up, making it and I thought it looked like him and I sent her pictures and she said, Oh, uh, I don't know if it really looks like him enough, but I'll, I guess send it to me and I'll see when I get it. And so I don't think she ever even gave it to him and I never heard anything about it. Wow. Nothing. Yeah. It just completely, it fell flat. And then I posted pictures of it later and tagged him and tons of people tagged him. I never heard anything, but whatever you know, you win some, you lose some,
0: <laughs> right? Exactly.
1: It was a disappointment, but hey, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. it happens. Exactly, and and I I want to talk about. Um, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the, the reason why you write books. Um, and then, sure. and then we'll talk about Baby Yoda. So, um, okay. so let's talk about why you write books. So, um, you've written several books and you have some coming out, um, and a kit coming okay. out, um, this fall. And so what have you learned from that process of working collaboratively with publishers to, to create these books that maybe, you know, you've you've self published over eighty patterns, and in, mm-hmm. in all of these years, that maybe you wouldn't have learned just self publishing.
1: Well, let's see. Um, I like self publishing better, <laughs> but uh, only because there's more freedom. I mean, I can make whatever, whenever, as fast as I want to do it. That was the one thing that I learned when i when I wrote my first book. I was just really taken aback by, first of all, how how little you get paid, which
0: it was considering that when you, you, yeah, when you self publish, right, you, you can um, sell that single pattern infinitely. So there's a lot more income potential per pattern.
1: Yeah, yeah. If I, yeah, so it was, that was a shock to me. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be rich. I'm gonna write a book. I'm gonna be rich, you know, and that was, that was kind of was a reality check. Um, That was the first thing, but also it took forever. It took so long. My first book had it like an 18 month due date. And so of course I didn't really work on it until the, like probably the last six months, you know, I, it was, it was too long. And it it was hard to adapt my writing style to their guidelines or whatever, but it's also, I mean, it's there's been positives. Of course it, it's amazing to, have a book with your name on it. And now I have three sitting here and there's two more coming and it's just, it's, it's neat. It's, I mean, it's, it's a feeling of accomplishment. I probably, I've never earned out on any of my books. Like they don't, um, I don't get royalties on any of them yet, but, uh, who knows? I, I think they've done well. I just, it's not like what I thought it would be to write books. I've enjoyed the processes. But it's not, I don't know. I think people have it in their mind like, oh my gosh, if I could write a book, you know, maybe if it's like the great American novel that's right. a thing that people, <laughs> but a craft book, I think I've been told that they're just really expensive to make and that they are expensive to sell and they just, I don't know. Yeah.
0: I mean, in that way, I think it's a good idea to ensure that you get, um, an advance that you feel good about because right, it may right. be the only money that you see. So there are publishers out there who don't offer an advance and then you are just banking on the royalties that you receive and I think that the risk there for the author is a little bit too high because you, agree. Just, you just don't know. Yeah, so
1: I've thoroughly enjoyed it and I've never said no to writing. I say when I'm in the throes of writing and I have a deadline or something, I always say, oh, remind me not to do this again. But then I get another offer or something, and I uh, just <sniffs> kind of have to do it. <laughs> How can I say no to writing a Golden Girls book? I mean, and then they offered me friends, and I can't just say no to that, I, you know?
0: Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, right. for sure. Um, and I think that kit, I did a kit with that same company, um, and it was fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun oh, thing
1: Oh, you did.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. a little taxidermy animal heads um
1: oh yeah guess.
0: Yeah, yeah it's fun it was a fun project i enjoyed doing it even though you know, yeah it is what it is but <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> from the financial perspective we know yeah, yeah
0: it's good though um okay so all right we're now we're at baby yoda so okay tell us what happened here obviously the mandalorian came out um and it was an incredibly popular show and baby yoda was the most popular character um at least visually mm-hmm. um and there were no toys on the market at least when the the mm-hmm. show first launched right yeah. they they, they didn't eventually mm-hmm. get toys but but when it first launched mm-hmm. there were no there were no toys licensed toys on the market and so yeah. there was this void right cuz everybody's like ah baby Yoda I want one and there weren't any oh, yeah. um and so mm-hmm. this is like the perfect spot for for crafty is cool <laughs> so. it was.
1: and you know what the timing was all perfect and everything too because it was well I'll get into that but I was not the first to write a baby Yoda crochet pattern I'll say that so yeah the Mandalorian came out and over Thanksgiving well I ma- I started making one just because my husband was demanding it and he he just loved the show and he thought oh that would be so cute you got to make like a life-size baby Yoda and I was when you start making, you probably have had this experience when you start making something and you're just kind of like, not real into it and you don't think it's that cute and you kind of set it on your desk for a while and you come back to it and maybe add something. And then I I was just kind of dragging my feet because it looks pretty weird when I am making this thing and it's just this big blob with like giant eyes and I hadn't made the ears or the arms or, you know, and it just looked, I just wasn't really that into it. And so I, I was kind of slow and making it. And then I started posting pictures of the process on my Instagram and just, you know, a lot of people were real into it and they couldn't wait till I was finished and begged me, Oh, you're going to write a pattern, please say you're going to write a pattern. And so I thought, well, I guess I could write a pattern. I'm not going to call it Yoda, of course, because Star Wars is known to be litigious. Is that the word? Yep. Um, (laughs) And that's a girl by Disney. You know, I think they used to kind of embrace fan art, but now that they're owned by Disney, it's just no. not even... Yeah. Disney is really, so, really tight. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I said, well, I'm not going to call it anything Baby Yoda. You know, I'm just going to say The Child. How about I just call it The Child? They weren't even calling it that at this time. That was not... This was just when he had been on like one or two episodes. I I made it. And... So then, everybody in the media started calling it the child after my. I mean, I'm not saying that I named him that, but people were calling him all different names, and I didn't want to say baby Yoda because I thought that would be crossing a line, and I. So I called it the child Amigurumi pattern, and I didn't put any hash any any tags on my Etsy listing or uh, Ravelry. I didn't put any. Star Wars. Nothing. I mean, nothing. I just, I didn't put Yoda, nothing. And so I said this cute baby, whatever. I, I didn't say anything about Yoda. Anything. It didn't matter. But I posted it on a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. And so over Thanksgiving and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was just like going crazy. Like my phone was just blowing up and that's that's you know I've had experiences of where something has gone viral kind of like real popular like my post Malone doll and you know it's been a hit but it wasn't anything like this and it was just people asking to buy the pattern and asking I was selling the pattern but it was people asking about it and saying can I buy the you know just questions about it and Tags and reposts and articles. And then I think that Sunday is when Bored Panda wrote about it. Or Monday, the next Monday. And, you know, that was a back to a regular work day. And so I was, I was just sick all weekend because I thought this is too popular. It's going to be like it's probably going to get me in trouble is what my thoughts were. And I was debating whether or not to take it down. Or if I should keep it up and like keep trying to call it different things and make sure nobody thinks it's Baby Yoda, <laughs> and it didn't matter because people that were posting about it and stuff were calling it Baby Yoda, calling it Star Wars, calling it you know. So of course it's going to get everybody's attention that are looking for that kind of thing, which there are people specifically employed to look for that kind of thing. And um, Monday morning, I think, is where I saw the board panda article board panda posts funny stuff from the internet they posted it on facebook twitter instagram instagram story i mean snapchat i'm not even on snapchat but i know it was posted on they posted it everywhere and it was millions of shares and likes and comments and all this stuff so i just was i just was so nervous and upset and i was like crying to my husband it was so stupid but now that i look back but i was really upset about it because i thought it was gonna get me in trouble and i was sitting at my desk that evening just worrying about what to do and my phone rang and it said burbank california Oh, and I don't know anybody i don't know anybody in burbank california but i know that disney is headquartered into burbank california and i just knew i said oh my gosh Disney's calling me I bet. and I answered the phone. And it was her name was Mary, something or other. She's like the head lawyer for Disney, Walt Disney, whatever. And she she was very um, stern. She wasn't the kind of person that I could kind of laugh it off and say, "Oh, whoops, you know, I didn't mean for that to happen." Or you know, she was very serious. I guess she thought that I was going to argue with her, but I was doing nothing of the sort. I was really kissing up to her and, you know, cause I didn't, I agreed with her. I was not trying to get in trouble. And, um, so she pretty much just told me that I needed to take it down. I needed to wipe the internet of my baby Yoda, anything which means any pictures that I posted on social media, even like saying, look what I made, which I don't know. I mean, I I took it off of all of my selling platforms, of course, but I had one selling on eBay. And um, I was kind of at a loss about how to end that without making tons of people mad. And I figured it out and I just wrote the, I wrote people that had been on it and I said, sorry, this isn't available. Um. Yeah, but so I I still have it. I never sold it. But so I took it off the Internet and there was no history of Baby Yoda on my end. But of course, everybody else had seen it and posted about it. And there were articles with links to it. And it just wasn't available anymore.
0: Now, this this pattern, it's not available, but you have a pattern that has reminiscences of an animal.
1: (laughs) I hate to make something and then just throw it away, especially after only having it for five days. And so it was a lot of work to make. You know how it is to write a pattern. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a of so, work. I mean, the moment, it, the moment it was taken off, I thought, well, I'm just going to rework it and call it something else because I could make it into a cute teddy bear. And I even, like, sketched it out and everything. And my agent was thinking that maybe I could actually – get a deal with it somehow, like, and have it be actually baby Yoda, but it just, it fell through and it never, it never came together. And so finally I just said, okay, well, and I just rewrote it and it's a bear cub and it's an elephant or you can make it into a rabbit. (laughs) And, um, so I, yeah, I didn't want to have it go to waste and I, it was a cute pattern. So
0: yeah, and so people can take the bear and they can do whatever know, they want. Do what they want with said bear, which has most of the or many of the pieces of what could become if you wanted to make a make it into a Yoda, if you wanted to. But it is not a
1: Yoda pattern. Oh, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. But <laughs> yeah, I could. Sure,
0: if you <laughs> wanted to modify it that way. Yeah. Although that's not at if all the want
1: intention. To modify it. You have to be creative. Right. Get creative. You have to be creative because yeah. there's no pictures in the pattern. No. How to do that. There's <laughs> pictures of all of the pieces. Right. But there's no finished pictures of anything that you're talking about. No. Of course so. not. Okay. Got <laughs> it. So, um, right. It, it was a mostly positive situation. It scared me mm-hmm. and it made me sick for a week, but it – you know it got me a lot of attention if something happened and it
0: will i mean happen like this again right i mean yoda uh-huh. yoda is its own phenomenon but there are other you know let's just say comparables out there in pop culture so if something like this happens uh-huh. again at some point and there's like this void and this opportunity right and and so i guess my question uh-huh. for you just before we get to your recommendations is what are you going to do, right? Because this did sort of make you feel like sort of physically ill in the moment. At the same time, yeah, um, you know, you did recover from it and turn it into a positive, and like your business yeah. is still here and you're still here. You're still a designer, mm-hmm. and life life moved forward. So I guess my mm-hmm. question is like, what would you do next time?
1: I thought I was doing everything right because I didn't call it anything you're not supposed to call it. And now if you go on Etsy, there's... I'm not trying to have sour grapes or anything, but if you go on Etsy, there's tons and tons of Baby Yoda crochet patterns. They call it Baby Yoda, Star Wars, whatever. So I think it was just that mine was viral. That was the only reason I was called out. And so I don't, I'm i not going to try to not make my patterns viral. I mean, that's what you want. That's you want it to be seen by a ton of people. I probably won't ever do anything star wars unless it's something that disney is asking me to do (laughs) which would be cool but um different next time would be maybe i think you just have to it's it's almost like you have to just test the waters and see like do and i i do research i mean i research what do these is there a lot of fan art out there that's being sold or is it you know it is there a reason that there's zero Twilight and Harry Potter stuff on Etsy? I mean, you got to research that. Yes. It's because Harry Potter goes after everybody and so does Twilight and so does, you know, there's just things that are known about different properties that you just don't. Right.
2: Don't I'm make
1: Disney test. stuff. You don't. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And um, so I don't know. I don't know if I would do anything differently. I mean, it was. I hope to not have something like that happen again. Right. It's just
0: part of. Uh, it's part of. Um. It's just part of doing what you do,
1: basically. Yeah, and look, it's it's happened that now I have, I wrote Golden Girls patterns, and I sold those for years. But I am now writing an officially licensed Golden Girls book. Right. So there you
0: go. Yeah. It's hard to know. So so sometimes it leads. Right. So so maybe down the road, Star Wars will will commission you. And, and I happen to know, like, there's an officially licensed Harry Potter knitting book out right now. So, yes. yep. you know, um, and, and maybe you'll have the opportunity to do the officially licensed crochet one. You don't know. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like it could happen.
1: And the girl that you know, the girl that writes the Star Wars, there are Star Wars crochet kits and she still publishes them on her Etsy independently for like new characters that come out. And so I thought, well, that's, you know, that's strange that. I don't know if she, if they don't know or if they don't care or what. And so that was kind of, that was kind of also, I mean, I looked into that. I looked all that stuff up before I posted it and I just thought, okay, they must not care about crochet patterns. Yeah. I mean, I looked into it. I I thought I was doing all the research, but (laughs) I just didn't foresee it being so popular right because the reason
0: why it sold so much is because it was somebody else's intellectual property so you know there's always that right right? like that's the reason why everybody wants it is because they saw this show that's created by somebody yeah. else and that's why it's popular. So yeah. Right. Right, exactly. Otherwise... And there it,
1: weren't any toys. But there weren't, weren't any there toys. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's a fine line and I'm certainly not a lawyer. I, I don't have any expertise to share. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's really interesting as you're somebody who's been in this space for a long time and has mm-hmm. had a lot of different experiences. So it's really interesting to mm-hmm. hear. Um, and and some of the times those experiences have crossed the line from unofficial to official. So... Um mm-hmm. so, and that can happen. So
1: Yeah, and I'm not saying that just because you write a pattern that is unofficial, they're gonna call you up and say, Hey, can we <laughs> buy this from you? That's nope, not not always, like, for sure.
0: <laughs> nope, not always. Um and sometimes right. they call you up and tell you, Hey, no, you can't do that at
1: all. No, <laughs> I can go can the other way. To Hi, it. we're gonna sue you. Yeah. So take them. <laughs> yeah. yeah she can... was actually she was very understanding. I mean, I was very apologetic and I told her, you know, I had no idea that this was gonna happen and you know. She said, well, if you see anything else like this, you better you better write me and tell me. Wow. She wanted me to rat on everybody. Right, right, right. You're like, that's going <laughs> to get said, me a lot of friends in the industry. There's a zillion of them on Etsy. Go look. But yeah, totally. Whatever.
0: All right. I want to get to your recommendation. So um, the first thing you wanted to recommend was a book of the month club. Um, so this sounds like something that's a little old school.
1: <laughs> it is. I don't know what, I don't know how I happened upon it, but it's, it's uh, so fun. I mean, I, I barely ever have time to read, but I do make time during the day. Um, You know, if I'm not feeling like I want to crochet at the end of the day, I can sit and read a book, but they're hardback books and you get, um, each month there's, usually they have like a celebrity or some famous blogger or something, choose their recommendation and they're all like reviewed and curated. So they choose five or six books every month, I think. And you, I don't remember how much it is a month. I, have, I paid for like a year subscription. That's what I usually do. It's reasonable. I mean, I usually look up the book. And if it's cheaper on Barnes and Noble, then I don't choose that one. Or you can skip a month. They send you a hardback book. And it's a nice, you know, nice copy of the book. And they're all reviewed beforehand. So you can kind of see what fits your reading style or what you're interested in. There's usually some nonfiction, there's romance and mysteries and thrillers and sci fi and all kinds of books. So um, I've just been really happy with it. And usually there are books that are uh, that end up being really popular. And, you know, I've already read it or um, before everybody else reads it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's fun. I really look forward to it the first of every month.
0: Um, and then Animal Crossing New Horizons. I feel like Animal Crossing has been like the, the game of the pandemic. But um, so what is this one and what is New Horizons?
1: So Animal Crossing, I uh, when my first son was really little, we had a GameCube that he would play during the day. But when he was at preschool, I we got this game Animal Crossing and it was on the GameCube. So it was kind of older, but it was uh, really fun. And you just you have a little house and you get to choose what you look like and you choose little furniture that goes in your house and you're decorating your house and it sounds really stupid but it's really addicting and every day you do little chores through your little village it's not like you remember those games on Facebook like Farmville and stuff where you had to plant all that I always had requests of people playing that game but I hated those kind of games but I never play video games except Animal Crossing I always it just hooks me and it's you grow flowers and you um, go to other islands and you talk to the little animals that live in your village and it's just really cute <laughs> and you can be creative with it
0: um I've, I'm afraid to start playing games because I'm <laughs> just like I know I'll never stop so I just can't you know what I mean like I just it's like and
1: it's a game it's a game where you have to play it like every day to like check your mail and right Shake the tree to find the <laughs> little. I mean, it's, it's so stupid, but it sounds like really people know. Then I know I'll love it,
0: fun. yeah, and then I'll be like, no.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you got an <laughs> Amazon Alexa Echo Dot, and people love these.
1: Oh my gosh. I was like really wary of having it listening something listening to me in my house all the time, but for Christmas, my sister gave my kids each one, and then. They liked it. And you could just say, I'm not going to say it right now because it's in the room, but you can say her name. And then you say, play Billie Holiday or play. I like to listen to music like that while I'm working. Cause it's just kind of nice soothing background or play rain sounds or play, you know, anything like that. And so that's nice. And they liked that part of it, that the music part. And then you can ask it questions. And so I thought, well, I might try, one and it has come in so handy for me like stupid stuff like I'll during the day I'll be like oh no we're out of milk and I'll be at the refrigerator and so I'll yell into my office and say hey put milk on the shopping list or put rice on the shopping list and then when I'm ready to go to the grocery store which is not very often but when I'm ready to go I can just walk over and say hey print my shopping list and it's connected to my printer and I'll print it out it's so neat And then if I'm working and I'm crocheting, that's what I really have found that I love it for, because I'll be counting stitches and I'll be to where I need to do, you know, X number of rows and each row has this many stitches. And so I have to do this math real quick, but I don't want to stop crocheting. And so I'll just yell out and ask a calculation. It'll tell me the number or like this morning I said, remind me at 1050 to Skype with Abby. And so <laughs> at 1050, it was like, this is your reminder, Skype with Abby. And so I just love it for stuff like that. And I I know it's listening to me and it's probably not very secure, but we're, we're friends now Yeah, and it's coming.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I do set a lot of different reminders like that on, I mean, on my phone and on my computer, and I, I don't know. It kind of might be nice to have it all just be sort of in the so ether. Connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I,
1: yell out. I don't have to pick up my phone right. if I'm cooking. I'll say, "Hey, set a five minute timer," and then it's even in the other room. It can hear me, and it. Yeah. And then after five minutes, I I don't have to take my hands. And, you know, type something in or it's so inconvenient. No, <laughs> you know, I don't have
0: to, like... It's nice. And, the timers and
1: half the time, there. like,
0: I can't find my phone um, because my phone is, bla- is black and, like, I stick it somewhere oh, and I just can't see it.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so oh, yes. I know. It is. It's, like, strangely been so convenient. And, like, I don't It's stupid. It's connected to my refrigerator. And I'll say... Like, what's the temperature of the freezer? So, you know, and it, <laughs> or if someone leaves the refrigerator open, that's what is kind of cool because it'll say, your refrigerator door has been open for five <laughs> minutes. <or something." laughs> I know, it's so stupid, but it, that, that could be really handy. That could save and me. And I just connected it to our, I know, I connected it to our air conditioner and I can tell it to change the air conditioner temperature. So nice. So. Wow. wow no, nice. it was the the dot was, it's just tiny and it's pink. And it, it was like at Christmas, they had them for like 30 bucks or something. I mean, it's so cheap. And I do a lot of shopping on Amazon so I can say her name and where's my stuff. And it'll say, you have an order arriving today from, uh, that consists of a pillow and blah, blah, blah. You know, it'll tell me when it's coming and it's just, I don't know. I like it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think you've got me convinced. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put this on my wish list.
1: (laughs) I'm a little scared of it listening, but I don't know.
0: It's okay. I've decided there's no such thing as privacy. So I'm good with it. it?
1: Yeah. So
0: So, Allison, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. It was great talking to you.
1: Thank you. You too. It was nice to be able to Talk about all the stuff that we talked about and yeah. have someone with an understanding ear. Yeah. <laughs> and, and finally connect in person <laughs> for sure. I know. Yes. That's
0: yeah. Know. That was good. So you've been yeah. listening to the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today's episode was brought to you by Timeless Treasures. Timeless Treasures is recognized for its unique novelty prints, bringing fun and playful designs to life. You can browse Timeless Treasures' diverse collections, novelties, boutiques, patterns, and a large library of free projects on ttfabrics.com and follow along on Instagram at Timeless Treasures Fabrics. Look for Timeless Treasures next time you visit your favorite fabric store. Thank you so much, Timeless Treasures. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals. And when you become a member of Craft Industry Alliance, you get in-depth coverage of craft industry news, the opportunity to connect with fellow professionals for advice and support, and access to an educational library filled with ideas, tools, and resources to help you as you build your business. Join us at craftindustryalliance.org. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.